Hey, this is Cody. And Kevin. And Franklin. Thanks for joining us on the Conversations on Jesus podcast. Pull up a chair and hang out as we talk about who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. Hello and welcome to the Conversations on Jesus podcast. I'm Kevin and I'm here with Franklin and Cody. How you guys doing? I'm pretty good, Kev. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks. Yeah. Cody? Doing good as well. You all right? Good as well. Ready to hit another episode. Sweet. Thank you for joining us if you're listening with us on this uh, special episode of the podcast. Uh, normally, if you've been following along, we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew, so we're taking a little bit of break from that um, as we sit down and talk with the one and only Ken Shook on the podcast. Hey, Ken. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate yeah, it. You bet. Ken is, if you don't know Ken, you probably do if you're listening, but um, there might be somebody out there who doesn't know you. Ken is one of the elders at Living Waters Church in Hastings, Michigan, and has been one of the youth leaders or the main youth leader, I would say, for quite um, some time. But I can not I can never remember. How long have you been working with the youth? So we are technically now starting our 10th year yeah. in the spring, but... Uh, there's going to be a transitioning happening here, right? And um, we're going to be uh, passing the torch soon. Yeah, so I'm excited to announce that and talk about that more. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, so for those who are who will listen to the podcast episode, like I said earlier, that that don't know you or have little background on who you are, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about your story and maybe how you ended up at this church with us doing what we're doing here. Yeah, so I'm pretty much a, a Barry County born and raised guy. Um, grew up in Middleville, now live in Hastings with my wife, Danielle, who many of you probably know. Uh, we have four four kids, um, but before that, um, I started going to Living Water shortly after I graduated high school in 2007, so about 14 years now. Yeah, which is pretty it has wild. been a while. Yeah, pretty wild to think. Uh, my first opportunity in ministry here was um, softball, leading the softball team. I, I was that. a snotty uh, punk <laughs> kid with a bad attitude uh, that Gary saw some potential in mm-hmm. and gave me an opportunity, uh, with some leadership opportunities. And, man, I sit here today incredibly grateful for those opportunities yeah. that he gave me. Yeah. So. so you went from softball to youth ministry. Yeah, yeah, I still have a hand in the softball team. Yeah, um, but yeah, like I said, um, starting our tenth year of youth ministry, and uh, now going to pass that on. Like I said, we got four kids, and things are heating up for us, getting wild. So, um, going to focus on the kids mm-hmm. a little bit. Still going to serve as an elder here at Living Waters yeah. and um, do some teaching on Sundays every so often. Yeah, so we're going to keep doing that stuff. Yeah, yep, that's awesome. Well, we're happy to have you on the on the show. Um, and when we asked you to be on, you said yes because who wouldn't want to be on the podcast with us, right? Exactly. I mean, that's a given. L- let me just say this real <laughs> quick, if you don't mind. Yeah, I've been listening to you guys now for a couple weeks. Yeah, and man, this has been awesome to nice. listen to. I get excited to listen to you guys. I look forward to listening to you guys. You guys are sharing a lot of really cool things, some wisdom, um, reminding me of some things that I already know that. I need to be reminded of. So thank you guys for what you're doing. This has been pretty cool to listen to. So I, I'm excited nice. to be here. Yeah, this is awesome. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, me too. It's glad to know that we can be like a light in other people's lives. Like mm-hmm. we always know like um, by doing this, we have that opportunity for the potential for it to be there. But to see like 
Ken's living testimony of hearing us and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, challenging each other in different ways and presenting questions that you know we may have not may not have thought of ourselves. So it's cool to see like like these guys said um, feedback or whatnot of you know hey this is this is helping right and coming not and coming from someone who is you know fairly deep in their walk of faith um even that saying right oh wait a minute you guys made me think about that it's like that's that's cool because not that this podcast is directed towards necessarily any particular person in their journey of faith but to know that you know we may help someone get into their faith and also help someone get deeper into their faith right that kind of duality is is cool to hear right yeah absolutely <clears throat> so we we had the idea uh cody franklin and i that we wanted to ask you to be on the podcast and so i think it was it's been several weeks now since i first talked to you up in the auditorium but we talked about it and and you said you're gonna th- well it, okay so now that i think through it when i asked you what you wanted to talk about you knew immediately and you said it was something about the kingdom of god and the kingdom of the world um so do you want to flesh that out a little bit? What, I mean, that was, you knew exactly what you wanted to talk about. Why, how did you know? Why is that on top of your list? What is that? All those type of things. Yeah. So like you said, the kingdom of God, uh, that's been on my mind uh, quite a bit uh, over the last several weeks. Um, again, four kids and the world is, I see the world differently now than I did 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, even before I had a wife and somebody that I had to you know, do this journey of life, faith with and and look over. But now four kids, it's like I'm viewing things a whole lot differently. And it's like I'll be sitting at the the counter or the island in the kitchen and they'll be watching Disney and I'll be like, I'm not really sure that Disney <laughs> is necessary for Disney to be pushing that or, or sharing that perspective um, with my kids, you know. And so it's like, the gospel according to Disney. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. always work out for us. <laughs> so the world's just different, I see. And it's always been changing. It's always been evolving. Mm-hmm. That's not new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just the way I see the world now, and it's just this idea that I'm not living for this world, but I'm living for something different, which is the kingdom of God. Right. And we kind of talked about that a little bit with Gary um, when he was on the podcast of making decisions based on what kingdom you want to live in we talk you know that you're, you're going to make a decision one way or the other and your decisions are going to bind you to something so are you going to be bound to which are not all bad things in the kingdom of the world there are some things we have benefit of but you're going to be bound to it one way or the other and so when i hear you say that i'm like yeah you're there's two kingdoms that you can be a part of and we feel like based on what we believe about who Jesus is and what he said and what he's done, that the kingdom of God is what we ought to be living for and in. But in the meantime, we live in this world. And so we got to watch Disney movies sometimes with our kids and then deal with things that are said or shown or, you know, things like that. So when I think about what well, we even talked about, you, you put a verse out there. What was the verse that you had um, mentioned early on? Yeah, so the verse was Romans uh, 12, 2. Would you like me to, to go ahead and read it? Yeah. Yeah, so it says, uh, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what's good, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right. Yep. So what do you think of when you 
I mean, how does that frame your thoughts or your your understanding or, or what ideas are coming to you as you read that? I was going to say there's a lot of different perspectives or aspects that you could approach that one verse with. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll let you kind of elaborate on why that verse and yeah, more of why this topic too. <laughs> so um, it was my our oldest son is six. His name is Nehemiah. He is in kindergarten. Um, and last year he was in pre-kindergarten. They call it pre-K or whatever. And uh, he came home one day and him and his brother were playing. And he came out and he said, Titus said, Titus is our second son. Titus said the F word. And I was like. Which F word? Right. I was thinking to myself, <laughs> like, is this like. Fart? Yeah, I'm not. I wasn't quite sure what the F word is, so we kind of looked at each other, or whatever, and it's like, "Yep, um, whisper that word to me that he said," because I didn't want him saying out loud. Well, he whiff he uh, whispered the uh, the <laughs> the four letter F word <laughs> that we're all thinking about the right now. One, and it's like, how do you know what that word is? Yeah, because we don't use that language in our home. And it's like heard it on the playground. Mm-hmm. It's like, man. How old is he? At the time, he was five. Wow. Pre-K. That's her Pre-K. That's and crazy. Was, and, of course, he's he, the school is structured where it's like pre-K through fifth grade. And I don't think they all go out to recess at the same time. But there are other grade levels older than him. But still, it was like the influence around him that was one of the the first times where my mind was like opened up to this idea of he's not in the bubble of our home right anymore we can't control what influences him exactly you said titus said it but nehemiah knew what it was yeah and titus is younger than nehemiah titus is younger so somewhere that got communicated right between the two of them and so i'm not sure how it was communicated but it was communicated right holy smokes yeah and so it was just mind blowing to me that he or they even knew right. that word. Because, again, that's not a word that we use in our home. Well, right, and to know that it was bad. Like mm-hmm. that, well, I'm going to go tell my brother <laughs> because he just said it. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. And so we both, so you, staying on the line, uh, staying along the lines of profanity, mm-hmm. it's like we've... I've got family members. I've we got people that we know that use profanity, whether just in general conversation or out of anger or whatever it is. And Danielle, being the mother, is like, "Oh, you know, oh, we can't let people do that." And I'm like, "We can't control what people do." Now, obviously, there's a line where as a parent, you got to go, "Hold on, right. I need you to tone it down <laughs> just a little." You're bit. You're gonna be in my house, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. But it's like I want to teach my my children that they don't have to conform again to the pattern of this world. Right. They don't have to use that language. Other people might, right. But they don't have to use that language because it's not edifying or pleasing to God. Right. One example. Right. Sure. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a good, because elsewhere in the new Testament, it talks about unwholesome talk or, um, and people can harp on all you Christians are worried about is, and, you know, what comes out of somebody's mouth. And it's not that, but Paul does say some things about saying unwholesome things and thinking things that you should not be thinking and um, 
living a pure life and what that entails is if you're going to live a pure life and, and live in the kingdom of God, what that means is that your language is probably going to change. And it's not like, okay, you need to be, in order to be saved, you can't say these five words anymore. These are done for you. But um, if you want to live in the kingdom of God, like we talked about the Beatitudes and everything, here's a pattern of life that people in the kingdom of God live. And so I would assume when you hear that from your kids or when they hear it on the playground, you don't, I mean, your response was, okay, we can't control everybody, but if we're going to live this certain lifestyle, then there are changes we need to make or specific understandings we ought to have about how language is used. What comes to mind though is like, um, we learned, we learned and walked through in the Beatitudes, right? Jesus referring to, it's less about, um, just your, your action, but more internal about where it's coming from in your heart. Right. Right. And I think that speaks to language. Right. And so people, like you said, are like, Oh, you Christians, you just blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, no, like what's the motivation behind saying that word? Right. And that's, you know, I think what Paul is getting to, just like what Jesus alluded to in, in the Beatitudes. And it's like, it's not about just that word because you could use any word. I mean, right. j- just like Jesus said, uh, in, in comparing murder to being angry. Yep. You know, like it's, yeah, I mean, in that, it's like that goes to confirm to me, okay, yeah, our language and our word choices and all that, it does matter because it's coming from internal and just, if it's getting all the way to the point of us verbally saying that, then that means it's already taken root, that that thought or that internal uh, thing that you're working through. And it's like, that's where, as a Christian, yeah, I mean, it, we should want to feel compelled to change our lifestyle out of the, the mercy and the grace that God showed us in sacrificing. And so is it, no, you should never swear. And I don't know that that's what we're saying. Guilty. But, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. I think we right. all, I mean, we all say it, mm-hmm. say something and yeah. whether mm-hmm. it's what we define as a swear word today right. or right. darn, you know what I mean? It's still that it's that internal motivation mm-hmm. of why are we saying it that I think we're all kind of, uh, yeah, speaking to. Mm-hmm. You start talking about the kingdom of God and, and foul language and Christians worry about this or that. But I mean, you're talking about the Ephesians four twenty nine verse, mm-hmm. I assume mm-hmm. where Paul says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, right. but rather uh, words that build people that's up. Right. And that's what it's about. Like that's right. building people up and stuff. And it's like, it goes back to the heart, which Cody's talking about, which really is about love. Right. You know, living in that kingdom of God is about loving others. Right. Right. Loving God and loving others. So it's not just about the word that's mm-hmm. being used. Because again, guilty, been there, done that. Right. You Still know, do it. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So th- that was the exact thought that I was going to expand on. Take the words out of my mouth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So in so in Romans twelve two, the verse that you brought up, Paul says, "Don't be conformed, or or don't conform, depending on the translation you're uh, looking at, to this world, to this world." And we can maybe talk about what that means. But instead, he says, "Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can do something." And the something that Paul is talking about here is. So that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So I don't hear you saying, you saying, nor do I hear um, Christians in general say, it, 
the, the way to live in the kingdom of God is a bunch of things that you may not do anymore. Although Paul says, don't be conformed. But the reason he's saying not to be conformed to this world is so that something else can happen to you is so that you can be transformed. Um, so I would assume that with your kids or your family or any of us, it's not, it's not just the, the words or the actions you want them to stop, but you want them to stop that so that there can be fruit born somewhere else. Right. Oh yeah, exa- exactly. Okay. I, I want to yeah. see them. I don't want to be cliched Christian, but like I want to see them being warriors for, for Christ. I want right. to see them acting as disciples, right? Um, building people up, um, right. teaching people about Jesus, allowing their lives to uh, reflect um, repentance. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And and part of that repentance, um, reflecting Jesus, comes from if you look like the world, what Jesus are you showing? Like if 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 we're supposed to evangelize and disciple the world, and we look like the world that we're discipling, although okay, so. It's tricky because Paul says he talks about becoming like those he's trying to serve so that he can win some of them. We mm-hmm. sure. may or may not talk about that in this episode, but um, that aside for a second, because I think context and, and getting at what he's talking about there is important. Becoming like the world, um, looking like the world that you're trying to preach the gospel to is a huge barrier sometimes that I think we've all run into is that um, we tell somebody about Jesus and they look at us and and we're talking to them about, you know, the life change that he provides and they go, well, your life is the exact same as mine. So if I want to live like you, I don't need Jesus. And that's where it's, um, things like language. Okay. Now what seems like a minor issue to the rest of the world now becomes a bigger issue. Cause are you going to, who are you going to look like here? What kingdom are you going to be a part of? So like nerding out a little bit, um, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, right? And so when I'm reading that, I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, let's refresh what the definition of conform means, right? And it's comply with rules, Mm -hmm. standards, or laws. Complying with them, meaning one thing has to submit to another, right? And it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, if one thing is giving in and submitting, what are you submitting to? And then he follows that, right, with the pattern of this world. And you had talked about, you know, what kind of, let's figure what, what he's referring to and, and get a better understanding, right? And so uh, if we're submitting to the patterns of this world, what, what is a pattern of this world? And why does Paul bring that up? Right. Because he sets it next to, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So obviously he sees that those two things are different, right? I would ask the question, can you be transformed if you're living to the pattern of this world? According to what we're reading here, I don't know that you can have both. Right, it doesn't look like it. Right, because he's saying, don't do this. Instead, be changed, right? Transformed means altering, changing who you are, what what you're about through renewing of your mind. Right. I mean, yeah, I think in a way... um, the world and the kingdom of God are are opposites, and opposites generally don't mesh well. There's, you know, usually some sort of like um, it's like oil and water, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if you're going to live and submit for the ways of this world, those generally are going to oppose the the kingdom principles or the things mm-hmm. of God. And I like how you word it generally, 
Right. Not always. Right. I mean, you have good people that aren't Christians in the world. And I always say, I don't want to and throw this world away like it's some mm-hmm. piece of trash because it's still the world God yep. created. It was and created. there's still good yeah. in it. Yep. Right. Right. The world is going to... Jesus, John the Baptist says that he is the savior of the world. Mm-hmm. And and Paul is talking about the world here. And we can dissect. Are they talking about the same um, exact thing? Does John the Baptist mean the fallen world? Does he mean the earth? I seem to think as I read through the New Testament and you get to the new heavens and the new earth in Revelation 21, 22, that no, there's a real sense in which this physical planet is going to be saved. Mm. It's going to be redeemed and reconciled and made new. So I'm in complete agreement with you, Ken, that even though I don't want to be a part of the world, it's not like I want to turn my back on it and say, well, you know, I don't care about you. Go, you know, I'm going to go do my thing over here. You do whatever you want. At the end of the day, we still have to live in it. Right. Well, and that's not exactly. what we're called to do. Right. We're, we're called to be fishers of men and make disciples. And if mm-hmm. we just, uh, the world sucks, we can't do anything about it. Are we really going to be fishers of men? Right. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Great point. Yep. Yeah. I just want to say one kind of, uh, cool. At least I think it's cool that I, I saw in Romans too. So, um, Paul says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. And it's interesting to me that the the um, word transformed only shows up three other times throughout the entire New Testament. Um, uh, the, the Greek word underneath it, and it's translated either transformed in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. So that's the one other place that Paul uses it. The two other places that that word is used, it's translated transfigured because it's describing Jesus's transfiguration where he is unveiled in front of James, John, and Peter. Um, and it just struck me that it's... Um, Obviously, it gets translated different in English, but in Greek, as as Matthew and Mark and Paul are writing, they're all using the exact same word to describe something. So in a sense, we are going through something that Jesus showed on the during his transfiguration, where his glory was revealed. Whatever that was, we have that same sort of thing. And I think Paul picks it up in 2 Corinthians 3, where we're being transformed into, into his image. And he mentions that in Romans 8, too, that we're predestined to be conformed that time, not transformed, but conformed to the image of his son. So there's there's a lot going on, but it, it seems like the, uh, Paul is saying, don't be conformed to the world because you're going to be conformed to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're going to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And in your transformation you're going to look like Jesus, like what he says in 2 Corinthians 3, mm-hmm. which I came across that stuff, and I'm like, um, I would probably, if I heard somebody preach that, I would say, yeah, I'm right with you. But I had just never noticed that before. So yeah. I was happy to for you to suggest Romans 12 too because it made me dig into <laughs> it and look, and now I'm seeing things that I didn't, I didn't see before. And it all seems to make more sense as I work through it. Yeah. Uh, something that spoke to me was, trying to figure out and answering that question of what is the pattern of this world. And so first John chapter two, 15, 17, um, says, 
do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. And then it continues on. Mm-hmm. For everything in the world, lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, comes not from the Father, but of the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Right. Mm. Right. So in, in asking that question of what's the pattern of this world, I think that for me... It, he lists it out right there. Pretty much, right. Puts it on a tee and sets yeah. me up for a home run of, okay, what's living in the world? Well, it's having lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, mm-hmm. pride of life. Because any of those things and you're not experiencing life with the Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, kind of like you said, Kevin, um, knowing this idea of the pattern of the world or living in the world, but not of it. Like, what are those, how do I put a parameter, kind of define what that means? And not to set, not to set rules or laws, right? But to give myself a better understanding of this transformation of why, why am I doing what I'm doing to live in the kingdom of God? And what am I not doing? Because it's not life-giving. Right. So not, not, uh, let me set myself up with a boundary, and bound myself in and shackle myself to I can't do this and I can do that because that's not what we're called to do. I I think Jesus got rid of that requirement of us to be bound to a law. Right. Mm -hmm. Outside of loving God and loving (laughs) others. It's it's cool. So I was reading um, in one of my commentaries that I often look to, a new Bible commentary, and Doug Moo has a section on Romans, and here's what he says about what you're talking about. This is from, you read from 1 John, but here's what he says about the passage, Romans 12, 2, that, that Ken wanted us to look at. Yep. He says, God has not given to Christians a set of detailed commandments to guide us. He has given us his spirit, who is working to change our hearts and minds from within, so that our obedience to God might be natural and spontaneous. And in that, I think he's saying exactly uh, what you were saying. We, we have, Jesus said, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, love God and love others. And we do that by the work of the Spirit, it seems like, not by a written code to say, here's what you must do, here's what you must not. It's maybe not as clean sometimes. We get into gray areas where, so t- to your point at the beginning of the episode, what language should you use? Well, some Christians might disagree, and I'm fine with disagreeing if we're working toward living in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be maybe, well, Paul might clear that up with an unwholesome talk, so that might be a bad <laughs> example of that, of at least the disagreeing part. But it does make it a little messier as far as following the Spirit and trying to live it out. Um, yeah, so um, if you don't mind, I want to I want to talk a little more about this idea of being transformed uh, yeah. by the renewing of your mind. Yeah, um, it's a little muddy right now, so I'm going to try and clear it up. It starts with knowing Jesus, right? It's plain and simple as that. It starts with knowing Jesus and being, more importantly, being in relationship with Jesus. I'm big on discipleship. I love discipleship. I love learning about it. I love reading about it. I love talking about it, and it's something we. Um, it's something that we work with our uh, kids at home a lot, uh, talk about discipleship. Right. And so um, years ago, uh, we went through this uh, book, uh, Real Life Discipleship. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I remember that. Yep. yep. I think uh, I think all of us at some point have, 
have looked at it and read it or heard about it. And um, it defines discipleship uh, out of the Matthew, Matthew four nineteen, um, where it, where Jesus says, "Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." Right. And so we broke discipleship, the discipleship definition down as um, a disciple is one who follows Jesus, one who is being changed by Jesus, and one who is carrying out the mission of Jesus. Right. And we talk about the head, the heart, and the hands. Right. Knowledge, um, change, change, which is the heart, and then the hands, um, which is carrying out the mission. And so if you're going to be transformed or you're going to be renewed, it's going to start with um, a relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. with an understanding of who Jesus is. And then that understanding of Jesus, um, once you get to know Jesus and once you fall in love with who he is, uh, your heart's going to desire a change, right? You're gonna, you're, you're just gonna desire to change um, to the ways of Jesus, to the, to His kingdom, and then naturally, you're gonna want to partner alongside Him. You're gonna want to come alongside Him and yeah. carrying out the mission, His mission, which is, uh, which was to save people from sins, right? You're gonna partner alongside Him, right? And that's where going out and evangelizing or um, just living your life in a way for Jesus that people are like, hmm, that guy's. That guy's built different. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. That's such a good point to, to, to break it d- because, well, to break that down, to finish my thought there, to break it down and say, okay, it is head knowledge. Mm-hmm. Part of it. We can't discount that. Um, some people, and I'm one of those people like to focus so much on the head knowledge that we f- can forget the other parts, but then you have other people that are so, um, uh, a relationally focused, which is a tremendous thing that the other parts can get thrown away. Sure. Or somebody is so emotionally driven by their heart being changed and being um, set on fire for the Lord or whatever kind of language that that um, uh, the head knowledge goes or, or the hands kind of fall. But to have all of them together is really an important thing because Matthew four nineteen was that mm-hmm. the yeah yep. it doesn't work if all three of them aren't there right if you don't know Jesus you're not going to want to be with his people and if you don't want to be with his people then discipleship evangelism is gone um, and if you're not changed from the inside then the head knowledge at some point will fail you because you can know a lot about a number of things and not want to give your life to any of them. I mean, we all know a bunch of facts that if you take those facts away from me, it doesn't change my life at all. But if you take Jesus from me, mm. um, my entire life would fall mm-hmm. apart, mm-hmm. not just because I don't know some things about him anymore, but because I'm relationally connected with him and then with people that love him as well. And that's, um, you can't break those apart anymore. And here's one more thing on that. It, it's like, if you don't know, if somebody doesn't know Jesus, I wouldn't expect them to want to change from their worldly habits right. or patterns, right. right? And so it's like if if you're out there listening and you're like, man, I really want to, I really want to change some things in my life. Start with Jesus, right? Start in the Gospels. Start with this podcast. You know, listen to the you guys talk about Matthew, but just start with Jesus. Right. You don't have to start anywhere else. Get to know Him. Build that relationship. Understand who he is, right. how much he loves you, what he wants for your life. Right. And man, you'll see some change happening. That's right. So over and over, I hear this reoccurring theme, right, in that back and forth there a little bit of the the motivation, right, 
being Jesus, mm-hmm. wanting to live with him, wanting to experience life and build a relationship with him, right? Yeah. And so I think of something like in that's tangible for us, right? Is like a, a New Year's resolution. What's our motivation for that? It's because, oh, in my head, I want to do this, do that, do this, do that. Right. But is the heart and the hands following that? Right. Because like you said, it requires a balance of all three. Right. And I mean, I'm one. I, I, when people ask like, Hey, what's your new year's resolution? I don't make one. Right. Not because I don't agree with them or agree with someone using one of those because I'm not saying that they're them and themselves are bad. But for me, that motivation doesn't, doesn't do anything. And that idea of like first of January every year, here comes another promise to myself that I'm going to break. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's not like, I don't look forward to that. Right. And, and it's that idea of what's the motivation behind it. Is it something that I've set up for myself that I'm okay letting myself down or do I change that motivator and say, okay, I want to live my life to be closer to Jesus. And that is my motivation for change. Not, right. ah, well, it's, New Year's, what's your what's your resolution? Right. Yeah. Here's mine. <laughs> right. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So, like, when we started off in the conversation about language, it was what is our motivation for saying that? Mm-hmm. What is our motivation for change? What is our motivation for our actions now? Like, so, like, when I think about this, what of what are our life motivations? When it, well, when I go to work, what do I want to do? I want to get my job done, but I also want people to see the way Jesus has worked in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't want to just be another pay scale guy, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. no one really desires that. Mm-hmm. If if we can feed someone, right. why are we not doing that? Right. You right. want to reflect the life that Jesus is calling you to live. Right, because not like I see in my life how I have been blessed. Right. And if I can bring someone to be blessed through Jesus as well, why why are we not doing that? Right. We, right. we don't want to be selfish in that. Right. Uh, Jesus Jesus is going to help me. I got Jesus. Put him in a bag. I'm taking him with me. You can't have him because I got him. <laughs> right. And it's like, uh, no. Right. Like, yeah, harvest will be plentiful. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes and that we're not going to stumble. Right. But that doesn't mean that those stumbles define our past or yeah. what we can be working towards as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Still growing, still oh, learning, all of still us. allowing the Lord to renew me and transform me in ways that, right? Uh, yeah, even right. today, right? 12, 10, 12, whatever it's been years into this journey of faith, mm-hmm. still being renewed, still mm-hmm. being transformed. Right. Oh, yeah, right. So, that's the tension that I think is built into um, John's gospel, in particular, in, in chapter 17, where he's praying for the disciples and he's getting ready to leave this world. He's, get, he's walking towards his crucifixion. And um, a couple of things that he says is that, he, so he's praying and he says, he's manifested your name, talking to the Father, to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. So there's a real tension because we all came out of the world. I mean, we were at one point the same as everybody else. There's no... Like Christians are just, oh, you're just a different type of person. You were, you were born d- different. No, we were actually all born the same way. Like we were born um, suffering the, uh, 
um, effects of our first father, Adam. He sinned with Eve in the garden, and now humanity from then has suffered that, those consequences. And, and Jesus says the people that he's called, he's called out of the world. So like you had mentioned, now we have kids who are in the world, and we have jobs, and we have ministries that, that somehow we have to function in the world with people from the world and at the same time, we're saying that the kingdom of God is all around us in believers, and that becomes uh, uh, an issue sometimes. It could be confusing. First, I mean, from an outsider looking in, mm-hmm. like, what do you mean you live in the world but not of the world? Right. Like, what does that mean? Right. And it it's an easy thing to say. So people would often, yeah, that's the quick little tagline. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Well, Okay, what do you mean? Because that doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> like you drive a car, that's what you mean that you're in the world? Like you have a job, so everybody's in the world. <laughs> um, it's, it, so I, I have that in my mind as I go to John 17. And, and Jesus says things like in verse 14, I have given them your word. I've given my disciples your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Um, just as I am not of the world. So then you pause and go, wait a minute. Jesus, you just said in verse 6 that you gave them out of the world, but now you're saying that they're not of the world, and I am not of the world. And then he continues, I I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And that's what makes me think of, Ken, your situation with your kids and, and all of us in different aspects, that you would keep them from the evil one. Like you said, the bubble thing, right? Dealing with that with you and Danielle and your kids, there's no. So you talked about that a little bit. Flesh that out if you can. How do you, as a parent, um, your kids are in the world, and 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 Jesus has said He has not prayed for your little disciples of Jesus to be removed from the world, but they got to live in it. So how do you, as a parent, uh, parent them through that? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do with. Uh, the continuous influence that we have on them. Um, if they see dad using, again, foul language or uh, talking to mom harshly or in a poor manner, um, they're, they're going to follow suit, especially my boys. Like they are, they want to be like dad in every right. possible way. So like I have a major influence in them. And so it's a, a, a continuous um, a thing to influence them and encourage them and constantly be talking about to them about Jesus and the Word of God and who they are, were created to be as men um, and the purpose in their life that God has for them. Yeah, um, that's that's what it is because they are going to go. They are going to go into the world as we've already talked about. Right, and they're going to be influenced by other people. Right, and you best better believe people are going to influence them. That's right. <laughs> and so it's it's my job to be the bigger influence in their lives and and. I want to point them towards Jesus. That's my hope, right. right? Paul talks about pointing people towards Jesus. I want to point my kids towards Jesus. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, sorry, not to uh, cut you off, but like even in the way you're explaining that, right? It's you want them to seek Jesus first, mm-hmm. right? And so um, you, you had said that you want to be the example, right? Mm-hmm. but you want to continually point them, right? And so right. not that, that you want them necessarily to 
100% bow down and, and be like you. Correct. You want them to be like Jesus, mm-hmm. and you are living your life in accordance to that. Right. Not that you say, hey, Nehemiah, you have to... You have to do everything that I tell you, mm-hmm. worship. And yes, in parenting, there's that. Sure. But you're, again, your motivation is that you want them to live accordance to the way Jesus has instructed us. And I think that's cool um, to see and, and know because, I mean, I, I don't know that all, that, I mean, that's, I don't know that that's always common, right? Parents, they want that authority and they want to say, you, you do it. Why? Because I said so. <laughs> right. That's the worst answer I could ever think of <laughs> because yeah. I said so those four or five words, whatever, like why? Like, and because, and it, that comes from someone who always, always asked why. And my mom learned like, because I said so was not a good reason. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cause I'm going to keep, well, why, why, we- why? Why? I talk about the con- our consistent or continuous influence in the lives of um, our children. It's like we got Easter coming up, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like the other night, uh, Danielle was cooking dinner, and she's like, hey, guys, uh, tell me what Easter is, the meaning of Easter is. And Nehemiah kind of looked at her, and Tice goes, Easter eggs. And it's like it's one of those things where it's like, ah, it's a worldly pattern. <laughs> Not yeah. that Easter Wrong eggs are answer. bad. Not no. that Easter eggs are bad. We all love getting some Easter eggs. Right. But it's like, nope, we haven't been talking in, in, my, in my mind. And I'm not shaming myself or beating myself up over this, but we just haven't been talking enough about Easter leading up to it. And, you know, you talked about it on Sunday about continue to have that conversation leading up to it. And so we sat down last night. And it's like, turn TV off. It's like, yep, we're going to read about, get out their little kid's Bible. And we started talking or reading about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Right. And talking about servanthood, it's the beginning of the story leading up to the crucifixion and their Bible. Yeah. And it's like, we're going to continue to have this conversation. We talked about Passover and what nice. that meant. And that's cool. That continuous, constant influence in their lives. Right. Because that's, I mean, I'm not a, a dad, but it seems to me when I watch you and, and a number of other parents in our church, and I see that from my own parents, um, when that how they had raised me that's what discipleship is mm-hmm. too i mean there is a difference between being a parent of your child whether that be a grandparent or whatever the situation is being a parent of a child and being a disciple of somebody who is not your child there's differences there but in some aspect they're almost identical you want to raise them up in the admonition of the lord you want them to be growing in jesus likeness every day you want to instill in them the um, uh, what it means to be living in the kingdom of God, all those things are the same. So when I hear you talking about how you're raising the kids, what's going through my mind is, yes, amen to whatever you're, all the things that you're saying, but that sounds a lot to me like raising anybody up in the kingdom of God. Absolutely. You know, that's just how it works. That's what discipleship is. When I hear you like, um, where what you had just said, you want to point them to Jesus. Paul is running through my head. Imitate me. I can picture you talking to Nehemiah or Titus and do what I do, not so that you do what I do so that you love Jesus more because I'm going to be doing what he's doing. And I think that's that's discipleship, but that's parenting too, and that's 
navigating all those waters. So you and I started um, doing this ministry stuff around the same time. Yeah, we did. We started uh, meeting at Gary's house with a few other guys, and I'm sure you remember um, when Gary would call you up and be like, hey, let's go pray with this this family, or mm-hmm. let's go uh, meet this person, or let's go do this. And All he was doing was bringing us along <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the journey of ministry, <laughs> right. and so we could learn. Right how to do that. Right. And so it's, it's a very similar yeah. idea, same idea. Right. Right. So, so coming back to the verse, then not being conformed to the world, but being transformed is that, how do you, how do you have a renewed mind? Well, you focus on who Jesus is. Like you had said, somebody who doesn't know him, where are you going to point him to? Or, or where are you going to point somebody to who doesn't know things about church or, or God or anything? Where are you going to point them to Jesus and the Gospels especially? That I would echo that. Read the Gospels over and over and over again so that you soak in the person of Jesus. You get to know how he thinks, what he says, how he reacts to people, what his mission is in life. And then like the situation with Gary or the example with Gary, how he calls us. And at the time, I would have probably thought, Oh, he planned this out to be like, he's thinking how to teach us here, but he's just showing us what it means to be in the ministry. And if you want to hang out with him, you can see it. And the same thing is with Jesus. Jesus has done these things and he continues to do them. And if you want to be a part of it, you may. If you don't, then you're going to miss out on what that is. You're going to be conformed to something else. It's either Jesus or it's any number of other things. Um, in the world, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> mic like, drop. Very yeah, true. Yeah. What? No. <laughs> no. For real. Yeah. Yeah. In preparing, something that had came across um, that I was reading about, and it was it was interesting, right? And so we continually talk about not conforming to the pattern of the world, transformed by renewing your mind, right? So when we think of that, is Paul saying that because as we've talked about, right? There's there's good things in the world, mm-hmm. right? God created, them, mm-hmm. right? So if we're not being conformed to the patterns, does that mean that we can't have nice things, have money, have a position or a status of power or things that, right? Because he's saying, don't conform to the pattern of the world. A lot of times the pattern of the world results in focusing on those things. And so putting that perspective, right? And the the question that they had presented was, um, what does God want for me? And what is truly a good, acceptable, and perfect use of my life for his purposes right? and not my own? Right. And again, going back to that reoccurring theme of the motivation behind it, mm-hmm. right? And in that saying, Paul isn't saying that God isn't going to reward us on earth with some things, right? And so it was, th- it was neat for me because it's easy to sit here and think, oh man, if I'm being radically transformed into living to this kingdom of God lifestyle, what am I missing out on? Or is there things that I could be right. getting right. that I'm not because I'm having to make this sacrifice? And again, that's, I, I'm not encouraging that way of thought because that's not you know what we're called to do. But there's still that desire in, inside to, oh, look what he's got. Look what they've got. Like, that's a nice boat. Mm-hmm. I've got a nice bass boat, but like that bass boat, that has two motors. Right. And that'd be super <laughs> cool to have. Right. Right. And I don't know that Paul's saying don't seek after that, but kind of like we talked about with Gary, like what, 
what are you seeking or like what mm-hmm. are you um investing in yeah that's, mm-hmm. that's exactly what, yeah. what i thought when uh the first question uh that you asked is we're not really we're not missing out on anything um for our spiritual lives because we're investing in something differently we're going to be rewarded in different ways mm-hmm. we're not going to be like um our reward is up in heaven <laughs> yes yeah. That, yeah and um man i just talked about it 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 was a passage and it said um it was about the prayer and praying out loud, standing on the street corner. We mm-hmm. we, had, we had went through it. Yeah, and um, don't be like those who pray on the street corners. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because their reward is here. That's right. They've already received their reward. Right, right. Yeah, and and that's what came to mind as you were asking those series of questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Paul says, and when he writes to Timothy, he says uh, in First Timothy four, he says, "For everything created by God is good." which is what it says in Genesis. I mean, each day in the creation week, he says, and it is good. And then he gets to mankind and says, and it's very good. So there's nothing that he created that's bad. And Paul echoes that for everything that cre- that God created is, is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer, which is, it's not the same thing, but it, I think it goes together with what Paul says in Romans about not being conformed, but being transformed in order for you to be able to know what the will of God is. It's not just, it's not a, um, like an undefined transformation. Like you're going to be transformed into something. We don't know what it is. No, what you will be is you'll be transformed into somebody who knows how to discern the will of God. That, like with Ken's example with his kids, can look at a situation and say, what does the will of God say in this particular situation for this time? I would assume you you don't address everything with all of your kids because they're different ages right. in the same way. And it's not because God is... Um, schizophrenic and he says one thing here and then he says another thing here he says different things sometimes because he's talking to two different groups of people and he's trying to trying to get that through and if we're um it comes back to the spirit of god we're being led by him in the world to point people to the kingdom of god and that's not always do a b c and everything's going to be okay sometimes it's like well a is a good thing to do here but Maybe we need to jump down a little bit further because this situation is unique and it's just messier, mm-hmm. it seems, than than we would want it to be sometimes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think Paul kind of speaks to that, right? When he says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Right. Right, like it might be murky, it might be gray for us. Right. But if we're seeking the, the Spirit and to guide us and asking God for guidance, then right, he's going to let us know what his will is. Right. And it may or may not always be what we want. Right. Or, right. <laughs> hey, you know, God, I, I think I think this is good for me. Mm-hmm. What do you think, God? Mm-hmm. God's going to say yes or no. And, like, we have to be okay accepting that. Right. But continually seeking God to, to test whether or not, you know, this great idea. And, I mean, thinking through, like, Gary, um, bringing up the ice cream truck idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like it's it's that idea of continually seeking right. God's guidance. 
So how does that work for you, Ken? You said when, how, I'm trying to remember when I really, I don't know when I got saved, but I know when things got serious for me and that was around 20, early 20s. Um, when was that for you? Um, I would say early 20s too. I grew up in the church. Yeah. But it's, again, that idea of I grew up with my parents' faith versus yeah. owning my own faith. So I would say probably early 20s is when I truly came to know Jesus for myself. Right. And I'm, I'm, I could say I'm, well, I will say I'm fairly certain that, um, uh, in that period things are, um, what am I trying to say? Um, oh, being transformed and knowing the will of God that early on in that transformation process, things were more murky than they are now because that's how it was for me. And I would assume that's the same for you, Cody and you, Franklin, that early in the journey, not so clear now hopefully a little mm-hmm. clearer uh, with certain yeah. things yeah yeah i mean More. for like like with ken i grew up in the church and then i walked away for a period of time right and in that walking away it was like bad decision bad decision bad decision and through those holy spirit still working in me right. calling me back and then i was like boom right th- this is what i'm missing out on right. mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I didn't grow up in the church. So mm-hmm. it was, it was murky from day one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh I came to faith at 15 and I mean it, it still is murky at times. Sure. Oh, mm-hmm. right. yeah. Um but yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. cleared up a lot. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. Yeah. I didn't have anything else to say. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so what I was getting at with as you work that out and you're trying to bring your kids up in the in the um, growing up in the kingdom of God and everything and your wife and, and youth ministry and cutting people's hair now, doing all that <laughs> all that stuff. Um, when you're trying to discern the will of God, when you're working to be a transformed person, is um, uh, what am I trying to ask? What things have um, gone better now for you than they did, say, at the very beginning of your journey? You talked about um, uh, softball, or I can't remember how you describe yourself, a snotty whatever. Snotty punk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever you want to say. And I, I would assume that you wouldn't describe yourself that way now. I, I mean, I wouldn't describe you as that way now. <laughs> um, so things had to have improved, but I'm just curious how you, how that works out in your life. As you're making decisions day by day and, and analyzing things and, and figuring out what God has called you to do, how you manage um, all of that. I spend a lot of time praying about things yeah. um, that I want to um, work through. And so, it's, again, it's going back to the idea of knowing Jesus, right? Having that relationship with him because I'm not doing this. I'm not transforming or changing on my own or by my own account. Yeah, It's it's through knowing Jesus. So spending a lot of time praying um, and listening. That's a big part of prayer is listening. Mm-hmm. Meditation part. Um, I could talk all day. But I, I got to stop and I got to listen at some point yeah. uh, to what to what the Holy Spirit is revealing to me. So a lot of praying, a lot of listening, and then just surrounding myself with um, uh, people of God, mm-hmm. uh, people who know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, it's like that time when I was uh, transforming um, as a as a Christ follower. Right, as my my heart and my mind was being renewed. I was spending a lot of time around you, spending a lot of time around Gary and his son Thomas, and and people who were. Um, a great influence in my life. And then knowing that through that time uh, was when I met Danielle, who's mm-hmm. now my wife, and mm-hmm. she was an incredible influence on me. So a lot of prayer, a lot of 
uh, listening, a lot of being around people who are influencing me and impacting me um, in a, a kingdom mindset way, if you will. Right. Um, so, so that's part of the transformation because, again, t- Cody talked about bad decision after bad decision, but a lot of those bad decisions come from the people you hang out with. Sure. Uh, where you're spending your time and how you're spending your time and things like that. Sure. So that answers your question or not? Yeah. So if yeah, it does, um, but it gets me thinking about other things. So (laughs) when you're discipling somebody, I would you then say churches in church? Okay. So define church for a second. Not a building, not um, a set of rules, but a community of believers that that worship and do things together. That would I would assume. I'll just ask you the question: Is that on the top of your list for? person a you want to be like jesus get hooked up with people who want the same thing it's towards the top yeah yeah again it's that personal relationship with jesus right is where i would say is the top but okay absolutely getting um, connected to a a group of believers uh again people that are going to influence you and encourage you right um, to have a kingdom mindset right well and i would say you're going to stick with common-minded people like Mm -hmm. not just like narrow-minded but i mean like Common goal minded. Yes, yeah. So it. like if you want to be good at baseball, you're not gonna go to football practice. <laughs> that's, yes. I mean, that's super right. obvious. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Right. That's so a, if you want to be like Jesus then, who are you gonna hang out with? You're people not who, gonna hang out at the bars. Right. Mm. I mean <laughs> You're gonna hang out with people like who? People like Jesus at right. the church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So an example is like I'm a I'm a big I'm a big fan of uh hip hop and rap music. Mm-hmm. Been listening to it for a lot of years, and it's like, man, at the time I was listening to a lot of stuff that was not life-giving mm-hmm. and super unhealthy for my heart and my mind and my soul. And it's like I started listening to, I started listening to like Lecrae and stuff, and I realized that like, okay, there is some good yeah. Christian hip-hop music, and that right. started changing my mindset on things too, and the way I spoke and the way I thought, because um, again, it's what you, you, what you put into you is going to come out, right. and so. Right. So, and, and what I'm driving at with these questions is the idea that transformation, yes, it is a work of God that he does to us, but it's not that it's not as if we're doing nothing. Like it would be ridiculous if to Franklin's point, I want to be good at baseball. Okay. What are you doing to get a, good at baseball? Well, I go to football practice like three times a day. Right. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And if you want to be transformed into somebody who can discern the will of God, there, to, to say like, okay, how often do you read your Bible? Well, I don't care about the Bible. Do you pray at all? Well, I don't have time for that. Mm. Um, what about church? <sighs> I mean, my weekends are kind of booked. We would all look at somebody like that and say, I'm not sure that you want to be transformed into this type of person. Right. Um, because if you did, you would live like them. Right. And let me, so if you want to be good at baseball, you're not going to sit on your couch and eat potato chips all day. That's right. And even at, like further than that, I watch a lot of YouTube videos on how to do it. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. oh, I can weld because I watched six hours of welding instructional videos. Right. <laughs> right. Like uh, I've, I occasionally read the Bible and, you know, I've gone to church on a Sunday or two. Mm-hmm. Like, all right. Can you set your expectation to, I'm not saying God won't, but can you set your expectation to fully be transformed right. in watching YouTube instructional videos for six hours? It's the investment. It, yep. It, 
100%. investment into a particular thing. Right. Yeah. So something I would say about the idea of being transformed or renewed mm-hmm. is you read the passage, this passage or any other passage, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, instantaneous, right? Like I'm going to snap my fingers mm. and I'm going to be renewed. And it's like I can't speak for anybody else, but I know for myself it was a period of time and like I said earlier, I'm still being renewed and transformed in some ways years later. Right. And I think of Peter all the time when I look at somebody who like was in this con- constant journey of like ups and downs. Right. And Jesus still loved him throughout, gave him opportunity after opportunity, even when Peter would fail him right. or, or whatever word you want to put in there. Mm-hmm. So like don't get discouraged if you're on this journey of faith. Like, man, I just can't get my my attitude right, or I just can't get my language right, or I, I keep doing this. It's like right. keep working towards knowing Jesus right? And, and watch how he renews and transforms you. Yeah. Well, and like I think of I think of everything else in, in our lives, right, like in the world, right, like working out doesn't happen. You don't get six back overnight, mm-hmm. right? Becoming a professional baseball player, you don't do it by starting in your sophomore year of high school. Right. For the first time, picking up a, a bat and saying, I'm right. going to be in Major League Baseball. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, could it? Sure. There's the oddity. But, mm-hmm. you know, it takes work. It takes practice. And it takes an effort to continually work towards that. That's right. And there's no difference of, you know, those two sports or working out or building a relationship with someone here on Earth, like building a friendship. You might see someone and you know talk with them for a few minutes and say i kind of like that person i think we would really get along yeah and it it, you don't uncover who they are in that first Mm -hmm. few minutes Mm -hmm. right like you might uncover a part of them but that's not who they are right and to expect our relationship with jesus to be any different than any of those things is is ludicrous right sure i like your point i um i think it's good and I'm happy you said it to remind people that, I mean, Paul says that we're transformed one degree after another. Like it's a, a lifelong, sanctification is a lifelong process that um, we won't see fully realized until we are resurrected from the dead with Jesus, like fully sanctified. Okay, now I see what it's mm-hmm. all for. But now we have however many years the Lord gives us to work toward that process. And yeah, it's such a good thing to remember that it's not an overnight thing. Sure, sure, you how belief usually works for people is that they go from one instance of not believing to their heart is changed and they're, they love the Lord. But still, that's not the end of the journey. Now you have to figure out right. what do you do as a Christ follower? Now you gotta live differently <laughs> with everything like, <laughs> aren't there some things that I, well, and that's the navigation process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that gray area, that murkiness that yeah. you have to go through life and continually seek that guidance of the Holy Spirit to, right. you know, know when, you know, oh, those ties have to be cut because right. this is more life-giving than what I was doing before. Right. Or, eh, you know, that's, it's not going to church every Sunday, but, you know, that thing, you know, the, the book reading club with your friends right. on Wednesday nights. It's not so bad. And it's, um, I don't think it's an equal thing to be conformed with the world. I mean, we're in it. 
we live in it every day. If we're not actively pursuing Jesus in one way or another, we will be conformed to the world. It's not if. It's, it's when. Yeah, it's when. It's it, Sure, it's a gradual process just like it is with Jesus, but I don't think it's the same. Like if you just coast it, you're going to be conformed to something else. You don't. I don't think you have to actively get up and say, okay, now I want to try to be like the world today. Stop trying to be like Jesus and you will you'll end up like somebody else. I think our default is acting of the world. That's, I think so too. And it's a a continual uh, effort and progress to live according to Jesus. Well, yeah, and Kevin said it earlier, we are wreaking the fruit of our father, Adam, Mm -hmm. when he first sinned. Right. Yeah. Right. We have an uphill battle, but we're not alone. I mean, we're sitting here with, um, with three of you guys, and we're in a church community, and then we have our families, and then we have people that we talk to at where we work, and it's not, it is an uphill, Paul calls it a fight. I mean, it's a fight of faith. You have to be, it's a fight, um, but you're not fighting alone, and like your kids aren't alone, so, and we're not alone, and um, it's worth it. I also think it's important to, to point out that you can still, you can still love people without conforming uh, to, yes. the, to the ways of this world or the pattern of this world. Um, yeah, because Jesus did. He did exactly, right? <laughs> Ex- exactly. And he got railed at. Why are you going to the prostitute's house? You, do you know whose house you just walked into? <laughs> of course he does. No, yeah. Jesus had no idea. He just walked in there. <laughs> right. Hey, I got to talk to you. Right. Woman at the well, honest, loving conversation. Right. And she walked away transformed right. and changed. Right. Matthew is a tax collector. That's one of the people you choose. Like he's stealing money from us. Mm-hmm. Well, he won't be anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not that Jesus became a tax collector, right? Or whatever. But Matthew stopped those improper practices that he was going through, and yeah, he was changed by him. Um, I've loved this conversation. Yeah, that's a good yeah, conversation. A great time. Any uh, last thoughts for us, Ken? Just remember that the enemy is going to try and shame you and guilt you and mm-hmm. pull you back during this process of um, being transformed and renewed. Just keep chugging along. Yeah. Keep, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but keep building that relationship with Jesus and right. knowing him right? and surrounding yourself with people that know him and love him right? and that are going to build you up and encourage you and in return, build people up and encourage them in their journey of faith. But yeah, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't let the enemy disgrace you or shame you or guilt you. Just keep loving Jesus. Keep allowing him to renew you and transform you because you were created for a different kingdom than this world. Amen. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah that was for sure. Actually. That was a good cap to the episode. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah I appreciate you hanging out with us and um, thank you for listening along in this special episode. We'll hop back on the Gospel of Matthew going forward, uh, but we appreciate your time right now. Thank you, Until guys. Yep. Appreciate it. See you guys.